Okay, everyone, welcome to the Respect the Math podcast brought to you by Reliable Tech Help. For all your IT needs, call Reliable Tech Help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at reliabletechhelp.com. That's reliabletechhelp.com. I'm your host, Digital David Snyder. Here at the Respect the Math podcast, we talk about everything from technology to business, science, popular culture, and more. Basically things that I'm interested in because I'm kind of selfish that way. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast apps from Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, iHeart, and others. Please interact with us online. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share our content. We'd love to hear from you. Today, our guest is Beth Amlung. She's an executive consultant with Rodan and Fields. Welcome, Beth. Thanks, David. Glad to have you here. I'm actually a user of your product and a proponent of it, so we'll get into that in a few minutes. First, uh, tell us more about yourself, your background, your role with Rodan and Fields, and uh, why you're here today. Uh, Rodan and Fields was a little bit of an accident for me. I had a background in coaching tennis, and that segued into real estate, which those don't sound related, but they seemed related to me at the time. And, um, but I had 30 years of a really tough battle with my skin. And so in that 30 peer, 30 year period, I probably used, I don't know, at least 30 different kinds of skincare products trying to help deal with acne, um, some sun damage, sensitivity, things like that, including antibiotics for years and Accutane and none of it worked. So I would use something, it would, it might work for six months and then it would stop. And when I discovered Rodan and Fields um, as a product line, it was absolutely life-changing for me and really did a lot for my confidence and mental health and all that good stuff. And um, I dove in as a consultant, and uh, it's, it's, it's been a great fit, and it's really, really meaningful to help a lot of other people with it too. Yeah, we talked about, uh, we had a short conversation before the show today it affects everyone, but I think it affects women specifically their appearance and how, how that can contribute to their self-esteem, their sense of worth, their confidence, um, their ability to just live a, a normal, you know, happy life. Can you talk about that? And I'm sure that hits home with you. It, it does. And, and probably one of the more compelling stories I can share is my own. And that's where I was, not only did I have acne, but I was a picker. And a popper oh. and, and all the things to, to the degree, it was, I think, a bit of a nervous habit that um, it didn't necessarily look like I had acne. And in the tennis world and, and the real estate world, for that matter, too, a lot of times I was around people who are very affluent that didn't, you know, they got facials every week and didn't know what I was dealing with. So I got a lot of stupid comments and stupid questions, or I got people who kind of treated me like I was invisible, and it was very it was very painful. It was, it was debilitating because I hadn't changed on the inside and I'm not shy. I wanted to be out there, you know, serving people, doing what I do, whatever, whichever career it was at the time. And I was treated differently. And I, I know exactly when I see a teenager with, you know, horrific acne or I see someone with, you know, a giant birthmark or whatever thing, I absolutely understand how they feel of wanting to be seen, but not necessarily looked at. Mm -hmm. And so it's in our world, especially, thankfully we weren't a selfie obsessed world when I was growing up, but yeah. it's, it's even tougher for, for kids now. Yeah. I love your tagline, uh, giving women TLC. You want to tell us about that? And so uh, tangible lasting confidence is what TLC stands for. And thank you. 
Um, and, and the point of that is, you know, when you're in that dark place of, you know, my skin looks terrible, it's going to take, you know, 20 minutes minimum of putting makeup on, whatever, or if you're male and you don't have any, what you feel is socially acceptable way of, of covering things up, it's really hard to know where to start. And, you know, you may call a dermatologist to make an appointment. There's only one dermatologist for every 32,000 people in America. Wow. So if you want to know why it takes a while to get in, that's why. And, wow. you know, here in Louisville, Kentucky, for example, it's not going to take that long, but you still may have to wait two to four months, depending on who you call. Yeah. And you're going to look in the mirror a lot of times in that two to four months while you're just waiting. Sure. And then you don't even know if they're going to be able to, to help you. So the tangible part is very much... You know, you can start today, you can start right away, essentially with baby steps. You don't have to change everything you're doing, but hopefully you are already washing your face. Well, let's get you washing your face with something a little better that mm. might be more effective. And then the lasting, you know, tangible lasting confidence is, you know, we want it to be something that, that it continues to work, it continues to build. Um, and, you know, if you think about, I don't necessarily want to advocate for, for drinking a lot, but think about how you feel after you've had a couple drinks at a party. That's, yeah. that's how I want people to feel without a hangover. Relax, get a little <laughs> loose, let yes. go of some of those inhibitions that we all. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you're not worried about someone saying, what happened to your face or, yeah. you know, what's, what's going on or, or just we, looking at it a certain way, right? They don't have to say anything. Right. You know what or they, you know or what that look not is. looking you in the eye or whatever, yeah. whatever thing. It's, it's really nice when people just engage and see you for you. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that aspect of what you do um, would be rewarding because you're literally changing people's lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And for some people, it, I mean, obviously there, for some, there's more of a vanity thing and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But and when I first got in this business, I, for example, was super critical of, of women who got Botox because it's just not for me. Mm -hmm. It's not something I feel like it would be in direct conflict with the business that I do. It's just, I just don't take beauty to that level. Mm -hmm. However, in the interest of fairness, I still dye my hair. I still do my nails. You know, and I finally had to reexamine and think about, well, you know, the, everything is relative. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if someone absolutely needs to go get, you know, breast augmentation for their confidence, then have at it. And, mm. and honestly, and I also did some research and Botox is great for things like migraines and TMJ and some that. other conditions. That's initially why yeah. it was created. And for some, it's it's crucial to their confidence. For some, it's a huge part of their social circle or their business if they're, you know, in a celebrity or something yeah. like that. So I don't judge. I'm just very candid that I don't do this. What what you see on my face is my products. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. You're authentic and transparent in that way. I want to mention a few, a few things. Um, Amy Schumer, the comedian, mm -hmm. she talked about how a guy can just uh, roll out of bed uh, comb his hair, give himself two of these in the mirror and, and he's good to go. And it's not, it's not the same for women. Uh, she mentioned spending an hour in front of the mirror, covering your face in war paint and picking this out and grooming this and coloring that and doing all that. Um, it's really unfair. I talk to my wife sometimes, um, about how it's kind of unfair for women out there. Another thing we talked about was 
you know, a, a man can go in the workplace, right? And he can pretty much get away with it, whatever he wants. Thank God as a society where we're shifting away from sexual harassment, that kind of thing. But a woman can go, go in the workplace, do as equally a good job as her male counterparts, but that's not good enough. She has to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. There, there's certain words she can't say. If she likes to date multiple men, that is frowned upon. Whereas if the guy is dating multiple women, he's, he's celebrated. Yeah, he's yeah. celebrated, right? <laughs> There's this unfair, uh, uh, kind of an unwritten set of rules that apply to women uh, and not to men. And um, I, think that's, uh, I think that's worth pointing out. You know, there's, there's a lot of pressure on women in our culture to look a certain way, to act a certain way. Um, and it's, it's unfair. Do you want to comment on that? I'm, I feel like you summed it up pretty well. My own experience um, has been slightly different because with my background being in tennis coaching, that was a very male dominated field. Mm. So I was used to just generally being underestimated and, you know, people didn't, my first job solely based on being female and young, but, but yes, mostly female, Mm -hmm. mostly because I was female. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually totally female as far as I know. Um, but it, it just was one of those things that, I I was used to being underestimated when I taught tennis for a living, when I coached tennis for a living, when I was a brand new realtor. Um, it wasn't as bad as a brand new realtor. And, and, and it's funny because now in networking situations, I'm the skincare girl. And I'm still used to being a little bit underestimated mm-hmm. because um, as – as someone that I'll go up and talk to a visitor who maybe is in the financial world or the insurance world or whatever. Um, and I actually had this happen a few months ago at one of our BNI meetings. I was talking to a visitor who was in some sort of commercial construction. And I asked him something specifically, I think about either his insurance or finances or something. And he, and he actually did a visible double take. And he said, what, what did you say you do? And I said, well, I'm in skincare. You know, just he was surprised. And yeah. and that's great. And I was glad that I was able to surprise him. But yeah. why why do you think the skin curl skincare girl doesn't know anything else? Yeah. <laughs> at Com- all. Comment on that because I'm assuming there's a stereotype that, you know, the people who who deal in cosmetics, wherever it might be, are kind of shallow and probably sure. not unintelligent or and, unsophisticated. And some are same as every, every field other, out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I guess there's there's sometimes there's an element of I don't I don't mind if someone underestimates me. I don't mind if someone initially doesn't trust me because obviously that's been their experience in life that's led that to mm-hmm. you know someone's disappointed them in in some way. I just hope people stick around long enough to hear what I have to say and decide based on our direct experience instead of who has clouded them, yeah, <laughs> clouded heard, their view in the past. I heard an auto mechanic once say, nobody likes, re- likes rednecks until it's, uh, until your car breaks down, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of these, uh, and I'm sure we're all guilt- guilty of it to a certain extent, but, uh, sometimes we can t- take advantage of some of these people in these, uh, service, service roles, the non glamorous, the non celebrated roles in society. I don't know about y- you, but I'm happy. The guy comes and picks up my garbage every week, you know? Oh yeah. I'm grateful that the police department protects our community and the fire department puts out fire fires and the, the road crews pave the roads and uh, do all that stuff to make it possible for us to live a, a nice life. You know, I think it's important to, uh, uh, reflect on that and give, uh, some gratitude to those folks. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we, I want to touch on the fact that you're not just selling skincare. You're, you're also offering a suite of um, what I think what I think are very compelling um, features to your product. One of them is if people just want to buy that, the product from you to help with it, this or that skin issue or this or that cosmetic issue, they, they, they can. But they can also start to build a business, mm-hmm. right? Um, Absolutely. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, carefully. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, so, so it's a direct selling company. And so we offer both products and a business opportunity. The greatest discount comes for consultants like myself, but there's no obligation to sell a certain amount of products. There's no inventory. There's no quotas, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a great point of, of flexibility. I am essentially my own boss, but I'm backed by a billion dollar company mm. that's in four countries and continuing to grow and expand. And I, I really can't think of a better fit for myself. Um, it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I love when people want to hear about it because at no point when I have a conversation with people about the business or the products, am I going to pressure them? It's going to be an information session. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, these, these are the facts. This is what, this is what happens. This is what you would do if you want to do the business at this level. This is what you would do if you just want the discount, et cetera. And if it's a fit, great. And, and if it's not, then maybe, maybe you know someone that it would be great for. And if not, that's okay. Thanks for having a conversation. I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's about how I do it. Um, there's definitely a stigma with direct sales, really any sales, but in particular direct sales, because, you know, people don't want their Facebook feed full of, you know, buy my product and join mm-hmm. me in business. And, and I don't, I mean, I, I, have to put out there that I'm open for business, but I don't, I don't pressure people at all. It's, yeah. it's just, I mix it in with pictures of dogs and yeah. <laughs> pictures of us at the track and different yeah. things. It's part like of that. your life. It, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've noticed uh, in hearing you present that you bring a unique form of uh, enthusiasm and charisma when you present. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. It's really obvious that you're doing something you're passionate about that you care about. Uh, I think that's obvious when when you encounter someone who's doing what they were meant to do that uh, has purpose and meaning for them. It's really obvious when I see you present that those things are true. Um, can you mention kind of the history of Rodan and Fields? Because it's an interesting history about the people who founded it and how, yes. how impressive they are. And Yes. So Katie Rodan and Kathy Fields are the doctors who created Proactive, and which was a billion-dollar company, their first billion-dollar company, and they were the ones who trailblazed infomercials. Um, so they, that was how Proactive was marketed. And I think they ended up in like 180 countries. And they've been separate from that company for a long time. It's still going. Mm-hmm. But they created Rodan and Fields in 2000. Um, they are both Stanford-trained dermatologists. They still have a dermatology practice. They still teach at Stanford. And this is their legacy brand. And the reason they created it is as practicing dermatologists, they wanted to address the four main skin concerns of acne, anti-aging, sensitivity, and sun damage that they were seeing over and over and over in the dermatologist office 
Again, there's a shortage, essentially, of dermatologists. People, for whatever reason, can't get there, won't get there. They wanted them to be able to treat these concerns at home. So they created their core regimens, and they were um, sold in high-end department stores like Neiman Marcus and Saks Fifth Avenue, Nordstrom's. And around, uh, they were bought by Estee Lauder in 2003, and around 2008, they paid for an independent market research study. They wanted to see where their customers were coming from. And they were all coming in word of mouth. And so they bought back their company from Estee Lauder. For, oh, I didn't know that. For three times what they wow. <laughs> sold it for. And specifically chose the direct sales channel because they saw the rise of social commerce and they saw the economy was about to tank and brick yeah. and mortar was going to be less. Okay. And they wanted they specifically wanted what what they articulated is they didn't want to give their margins to brick and mortar anymore. They wanted to empower women to be yeah. able to have their own business. I like that. You're not going to see a Rodan's field, a Rodan and Fields commercial in the middle of the Super Bowl, are you? Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never. Yeah. You might encounter a rep, a rep you, at a Super Bowl party, but you're not right, going to see a commercial right. and radio Right. She might even have a sample in her purse. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. She'll be prepared. It sounds like the credentials, uh, the professional uh, credentials and also the business credentials uh, of a company like Rodan and Field are pretty solid. They're extremely solid. So they they are also at billion-dollar status. Um, a few years ago, TPG Capital, uh, who only only invests in industry disruptors, you know, mm. Spotify, Amazon, those kinds of companies, they became a minority investor in Rodan and Fields. Mm. And Jim Coulter um, with TPG Capital was so impressed, he asked to sit on the board. Mm-hmm. Over in it fields. So wow. I feel like that's pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty compelling. And we have a new corporate team now who is very um, versed in direct sales and it, everything, everything lines up beautifully because as a, as a working consultant, I'm never in conflict in how to serve my customers and how to serve myself. Yeah. What benefits you is also going to benefit me as far as like our rewards and this and that mm-hmm. it's, it's, really great you mentioned the stigma around direct sales everything is direct sales you know home depot is directly marketing you <laughs> right uh you know yeah um uh, you know nike is trying to sell you shoes every company in a in a free market system a capitalist system is direct sales i think uh kind of the the stereotype surrounding what people like you do is that you know you're gonna hound me and try try to sell me all this stuff i don't need and sign me up for this or that affiliate program or whatever and my experience with you has been the exact opposite you're like hey david i think i think you might your wife might like this i think you might like this we're having a sale it's ending tomorrow do you want to take advantage of it great if not no big deal i really appreciate your uh your approach to that it's obviously you're not it's obvious you're not trying to push things on people um and uh be a salesperson in the bad sense right um i appreciate that well it's funny because um I know Mike Hall was on the show with his human analytics and, mm. and according to his human analytics test, my, my superpower is I can, I can sell anything to anyone. And when he told me that I said, ew, yeah. like that, like that creeped me out. I didn't yeah. want that. I didn't, I don't want that to be my super, I don't want that to be what I'm known for. And, and essentially how, um, I'm able to make peace with that is, is to me, true sales is serving. So if if I'm if you end up with bottles you don't want or need in your house that is not serving not only is that not serving you that's going to build resentment and that might have gotten me a couple dollars 
two months ago when the bottles came to your house, but it's going to lose me a lot of money and a lot of our trust and relationship over time. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been on auto ship things for this vitamin and that supplement and whatever. And I know how frustrating it is when that stuff shows up and you don't want it or you mm-hmm. don't need it or, you yeah. know, you stopped using it or whatever. And so, um, I try to communicate very clearly, make sure that people are only getting what they want when they want it and go from there. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about my personal experience with Rodan and Fields. Uh, I've, uh, battled seasonal, uh, off and on eczema on my hand, right. Man, mainly my right hand in the palm area. And then on the top of my hand too. And my doctors written me prescriptions for this or that cream, uh, steroid cream, this, you know, use a set of fill when you're washing your hands. I got marginal to no relief from that. And then one day at a meeting, you passed around a bottle of the soothing serum. Is Soothe, that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was such a great product. Um, I said, why not give it a try? try? Nothing else has worked. I took it, or actually, I met with you, and mm-hmm. you, you were kind enough to meet me where I'm at, which I thought was a good, a good testament to your customer service right you brought it to me say hey keep this for a couple of days try it. if you don't like it bring it back no big deal uh you didn't charge me anything you know it was no no nope. commitment no pressure i started using that product and i could tell the minute the second i put it on i could feel like a little tingling like something was going on with my skin it was doing something and lo and behold two or three days later it was gone almost completely and i use it now as needed i don't have to use it every day particularly when it's higher temperature, right, higher, route, yeah. Yeah, higher uh, humidity levels, right? But that was a great product, and I had dealt with that for years, and it's irritating. It wasn't ruining my life, but it hurts, and it, it's just, it looks bad, and uh, I wanted folks to know that I'm, I'm not just on here to, today promoting you because we're friends. I used your product. It worked for me, and uh, I want people to know that story. Um, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So my experience has been great. I highly recommend people interact with you and just have a conversation. And all that dovetails nicely too into your skincare quiz, right? Can you talk about that and how it can help help people identify what product might be best for them? Yeah, so our, I hope I'm allowed to talk about this, but I'm going to. We'll edit Um, it out if you can't. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, we have something. So basically the way I explain it is I offer two types of virtual consultations. Uh, The first one is um, actual analytics that it's it's a quiz that I can send someone takes about two minutes best to be done makeup free obviously for guys that's easy for women they might want to do it in the morning or at night because um, the camera on your phone is going to take a selfie and scan your face. And I will never see the selfie. <laughs> I always tell people, don't don't be embarrassed about the selfie. I will never see it. And you, uh, you know, as you know, you can skip it. You don't even have to do that. Mm-hmm. But you're going to answer questions about like, what's your biggest skin concern? What's your secondary biggest skin concern? Because some people have several. Some people say, oh my god, I never thought I would have acne and wrinkles, or I never thought I would have sun damage and acne, or whatever thing. So you get to prioritize. And you may look at the results because they'll they'll recommend products and say, I already have tried that and I know it doesn't work. You can take the quiz again and answer answer the questions differently. Mm -hmm. It also takes into consideration things like environmental factors. So someone who lives in Scottsdale, Arizona is going to have different skincare needs than someone who lives in, you know, Maine. Right. (laughs) Or Chicago. Right. Um, It's going to take into account humidity, temperature, pollution, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, good old Ohio Valley. We, we have, we're 
I think still kind of in the middle of the pollening. Oh yeah. There's not really skincare for pollen, Yeah. but um, obviously a lot of people with seasonal allergies, many of whom only get them here, um, you're going to have some heightened sensitivity. So it's nice to be able to pivot. Yeah. Um, seasonally so yeah you get the results and the results also come to me and i i get to keep a record of that which is great that's automatically done through our system and that helps you help them find the products that could best benefit them it it does and it also helps someone so at this at this point when i first joined rodan and fields which was in june of 2016 i was chicken about sharing and chicken about being that MLM girl. And so I actually spent a lot of time diving in and learning about the products. So it is very rare that someone takes the solution tool and gets a different result than what I would have recommended after a conversation. Um, but for someone brand new, also, Rodan and Fields has released at least two products a year since I joined. That's a lot more products to know about and learn about. I've had the advantage of getting to do that as they've come out instead of all yeah. at once. I'm glad you mentioned that. Sorry to interrupt you real quick. Sure. Roughly how many products do you all offer now? Uh, 50-some. Wow. It's it's quite a bit. Most of them are in regimen format. So it's, you know, the, for example, the Soothe regimen is is a cleanser, a treatment, a moisturizer, and a sunscreen. Okay. Um, but you can buy each of those products individually as well, as, as you did, because you mm-hmm. bought. I'm sorry, I just hit my microphone. Because um, you, you only needed step two and... So no reason to buy them all. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention uh, for, for the men out there, don't just dismiss this topic as for women only. Not at all. As my example proves. You're not my only male customer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not interested in buying any products as a man, you know, in that area, that's f- fine. But I, I, I would imagine a gift card or, or some products for Dan and Fields would be a great um, gift idea for it's your a wife. Great, too. It's a great gift idea. Um, but... You know, I think a lot of times people, I, I, I present it this way. I will never leave my house without brushing my teeth, mm-hmm. but I will leave my house sometimes without brushing my hair if I'm in a big enough hurry. Okay. As, as an example, um, I, I will, I will dye my hair, but I won't get put like people have the, I'll do this, but I won't do this. Sure. And I think even, even men have that like, well, I, of course I'm going to wear a deodorant or of course, you know, whatever, whatever your minimum is. And then your things, when you have more time to get ready, whatever your maximum is, yeah. that specific list is part of your identity. Mm-hmm. And I have several customers who like, I, I want, I want all the things I want my face to look better. And I have had men have this conversation with as well but i but i just use bar soap and it's like well that's fine if you want to use bar soap I, yeah. I, we have some things but it one of these parts of your identity you're going to have to tweak a little bit mm-hmm. you know you might want to use a cleanser that isn't stripping all the natural oils off your face and you know those kinds of that things. adding chemicals to your skin too right right well and and chemicals is a tricky word just because i think people really overuse the word chemical i mean water is a chemical air is a chemical well, that's et cetera. true but your typical it's, it's dose and application that really count yeah sure. your typical old you know cheap bar of soap you buy at the grocery store probably has a lot of stuff stuff in it you, you'd be surprised yeah. to find out it has right? for sure for and, sure and isn't good for your skin or anything else no. right yeah no. um, can you mention the importance of a regimen i would think that 
um, not just providing the products to your clients, but also educating them on the regimen, the sequence, uh, absolutely, it, the order. Absolutely. Yes. So, and that's, that is the, the core of Rudan and Fields philosophy. It is that you're putting the right ingredients in the right formulations in the right order used with consistent use over time, Mm -hmm. you're going to get visible results. It's not unlike a workout. You're not going to go straight into burpees in a workout. You Mm -hmm. might do some air squats. You might do some jumping jacks. You're going to warm up, you know, some things like that. Um, And the really important thing is a little bit each day goes a long way. You know, if all you can do is 20 push-ups a day, you do that for a month. Yeah. that's going to make a really big difference. Yeah, now, yeah. if you're already working out five hours a day, it might not make a big difference. But for someone that was doing, who was doing nothing, it's, yeah. it's important. And so um, I, one of the, so the first virtual consultation I do is getting people to the solution tool. But the second one is I want, I want to know your habits. I want to know, are you someone that that's willing to do five steps morning and night you know, are you going to put on two different eye creams, one for puffiness and one for wrinkles? Mm. Or do you just need one thing? And, you know, I have some women who they're like, I just, I'm lucky to get a shower. I've got a bunch of kids. I've got a career. Mm-hmm. And I just need one thing I can put on my face. But you can give them that one thing, right? If that's, if that's all they have time for. Absolutely. But I, but I need to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which thing are you looking for? Yeah. Um, or, and if you want all the things, I, I got you, but, but what are you willing to do? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, you know, and what's your budget and that's, and that's where, you know, I have several consultants on my team who don't sell at all. And the only way they can afford Rodan and Fields is that consultant discount. Oh, okay. And so. And you're fine with that, right? I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. It doesn't cost me, it doesn't cost me anything. Right. Um, and one of my consultants who joined me her financial needs changed and now she works the business. And so, and she knows exactly how much work she needs to do to at least get her skincare free, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, it's a nice flexible thing. Yeah. Is that a challenge for you trying to get people to hang in there for the amount of time it takes doing this daily regimen to get the desired results or are most people, you know, committed to that? You know, so it depends. I mean, some people are just never going to be happy. Yeah, I, mean, I, I I know you have those customers. Yeah, hopefully not too many. We but try to we try to separate ourselves from those folks, but yeah. And a lot of times, I can tell when someone tells me their history with skincare. Yeah, what I'm getting. Right. And and, and the cool thing is, all of our products have a 60 day empty bottle money back guarantee. And so, if they don't, that's great. Don't keep it if you don't want it. I'm and, glad you mentioned that. Talk about that because a lot of companies don't do that. I mean, that's that. That shows you believe in your product, and the com- company is going to stand behind it. A sixty day, no questions asked for any reason. You don't like it, return it. Mm-hmm. If there's one one drop left in the bottle, kind of thing, right? Send it back. We'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Correct. Yeah, I talk about that because I this has this says a lot about the product. Our and, return and rate is less than one percent. Wow. Yeah. And with, a, and with a return policy, sorry, that liberal, right. you would think it'd be higher, but that just goes to show how good the product is well the the products are that good i on the on the mental health side i have to comment and this is one of the reasons i love that we have samples and and this is the reasons i do do things like loan out product i recognize 
particularly people who have any kind of physical disability, but especially mental health battles, the barrier to getting to UPS and mailing something back is just, it's bigger than it is for most people. Mm. I, I get that. Mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, when you feel like you're circling the drain of life um, and you try a new product and it's not for you, it's just easier to put it on your shelf. Yeah. And I don't think that happens a ton. I don't uh-huh. think I don't think our return rate would be grossly different right. if everyone who stopped using the product actually returned it. Um, but but in the interest of you know always wanting to give a nod to mental health, I I want to point it out that um, I get it. Some people just put it in their product in their cabinet with everything else and yeah, go on about their life. Go on about their lives. <laughs> about their lives. Yeah. Having said that. Um, I have a lot of people who they're like, ah, I really don't like the texture of this or I don't like the smell of this. And they send it back and then they get something else and they're even happier. Yeah. Um, which, which is what I want. I just, you know, I want people to be excited about their skin because I think everyone, most people when they look in the mirror are too hard on themselves anyway. Mm. Yeah. And if I could give them one less thing to criticize, mm-hmm. then that's, that's where, you know, you start those baby steps of, well, maybe, maybe you'll be nicer when you, to yourself, that, yeah. that head voice, that inner voice of what you say. And it's super common when people get going on Rodan and Fields that they get their skin looking better and they start feeling a little better. And then they, they're not spending so much time on their skin. Like I used yeah. to spend, I, I was constantly, I'd watch every infomercial. I'd read every label. Every time I went to the grocery store, I'd talk to every skincare person at the mall mm-hmm. and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of like being married. Like I don't need to swipe. I don't need to look. <laughs> I don't need to do anything. Yeah. I'm good. And it puts time back in your life. Yeah. It doesn't take me very long to get ready. I'm not picking and popping and, you know, doing obsessing. all the things, obsessing like yeah. I used to. And so it, it allows time for things like, well, maybe I'll spend a little bit longer on walking my dogs or yeah. a little bit longer on my workout. And it's super common that the Rodan and Fields community, like, really gets better looking as they go because they'll they'll feel good about themselves and they'll go get a new haircut and then they might lose a little bit of weight and like it's just this thing that snowballs and and it's that confidence when you have that confidence to take the next step to take care of yourself and again i don't really advocate for people to go crazy on the vanity and forget what's on the inside and forget who they are and how they treat people and all that that's yeah by but, far the most important. But the outside impacts the inside and vice versa. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And you're invested in these people's success. You want to get them the right regiment, the right, right combination of products to make them happy and be enthusiastic about using the product. And you want to be doing it. You want to be doing business with them 10 years down the road, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. if you just, you just, um, it's a one-off transaction. You never hear from them again. That's not good for them or you professionally. So no. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's okay. And there are those, and there are those types of shoppers Yeah, that, you know, they're the ones that'll only buy if there's a sale and they're the ones that, and that's okay. Right. But you're going to do everything you can to try to develop a personal relationship with these people absolutely, and hopefully be helping them for years down the road. I I wanted to mention one more thing that's unfair about being a woman is the aging thing, right? I mean, men men can be attractive and handsome and desirable in their fifties and sixties. And for women, women, it's just not fair right around what thirties, forties, things start getting wrinkled and uh, sagging and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just not, it's not fair, you know, it's, it's, definitely not fair um and it's funny because i i my birthday was actually sunday 
And so I get oh, a lot birthday. of, thank you. I get a lot of, oh, you know, happy 29th birthday. And I get irritated by that because I turned 49 and I'm totally cool with the number. And if yeah. I knew what I weighed, I'd tell you that too. I don't like numbers don't yeah. bother me. You it's are a, what you are. I am what I am. Yeah. And it's a, it's a privilege denied to many. And, and there are times like we just came up with a new product. I'm super excited about that. I'm, We'll, we'll talk about it another time. That's, but, um, that's a reason for the listeners to interact with you and yes, learn more about it. Yes, because it, it's available to customers June 1st. Perfect. Um, I'm excited about I'm very excited about it. Um, so, yeah, anytime something anti-aging comes out, I'm, I'm like, yeah, sign me up because I'm not going to get needles poking my face. And, yeah. you know, but at the same time, I, I also was one of those kids that was annoyed with other kids because I hated kids. <laughs> I was like, when other was, people's kids. <laughs> no, I was annoyed with my peers when oh, okay. I was a kid because I just was, I was like born 30 something. And okay. so it was like this bizarre thing when I turned 40. Cause yeah. I was like, oh, I've been in my thirties my whole life. Like I've, <laughs> I yeah. finally got to my forties. So it like aging, aging doesn't bother me. And, and my fam people in my family tend to live pretty long. And so, I, I plan to be around for a while. I'll I wouldn't. I wouldn't have guessed forty nine. You look great. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. You mentioned um, a few minutes ago mental health. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I just want to get this out on the table. I have because of some medication I take um, for bipolar disorder, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, I have an intermittent speech impediment. It shows up a little bit, a little bit in conversations I'm having. Some days it's fine. Some days it's a little more challenging than others. Um, but I wanted to get that out there because there's inevitably going to be some folks listening who are struggling with the same thing. And the last thing they need is to hear from someone who's ashamed of it uh, or is trying to suppress it. So I just get it out there. I have bipolar disorder. Um, thankfully, I'm very high functioning. I'm happy. I've been stable for over 20 years. I only take medication at night to help me sleep. I have a great psychiatrist and I go get help, um, you know, as needed when I need it. Uh, and that dovetails nicely into an element of your business. You like to tackle the tangible lasting confidence you're trying to give to your customers from the mental health aspect of that. Can you talk about that and how that relates to your business and helping people? Absolutely. So I've dealt with depression since I was 14. And I think it's extremely closely related to um, the skincare battles and the confidence battles. But but long and short of it, mental health issues and mental health, mental disorders are a chemical imbalance. So I, you know, I, I don't have depression because I had pimples, mm -hmm. it, but it certainly made it worse. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so something that I do just my own volition is I'll do videos on mental health, talk about what it's like to have depression, what it feels like, what it looks like. Um, and the way that I have best been able to come up with a, a tangible, I love the tangible thing, metaphor is, um, I call it the Black Curtain Fight Club. And if you remember the movie Fight Club, and if you've seen the movie Fight Club, if it's you've not seen the movie Fight Club and you want to see the movie Fight Club, stop listening to this podcast right now because I'm going to spoil it. Okay. Um, but essentially, when you, see, you go through the whole, most of the movie, and you've got Edward Norton and Brad Pitt interacting, and... That's what it looks like when someone has depression and you have never experienced depression. You, you see them, you know, combative. You might see them seem, they might seem flaky. They might seem lazy. They might seem distant, whatever. And when 
I'm sorry, I have it backwards. I totally messed up my metaphor. That's okay. Start um, over. I'll start over. So it's Fight Club, Edward Norton, Brad Pitt. Yes. Depression. So at the very end of the movie, when Edward Norton realizes it's all in his head, mm. and he's he literally is punching himself, and he's passing a beer to Brad Pitt, and he drops it. Yeah. Because there's, you know, that's... I don't remember that part of it, and I've seen it, but it's been a long time. So, so he completely made up Brad Pitt in his mind. Oh, and he looked ridiculous, which people who don't understand depression or bipolar and things like that, some of the things that we do um, when we're hurting look ridiculous. Mm. We look selfish. Uh, we look withdrawn. But but the reality is, when I see someone, you know, or if I just experience and in interacting with someone and they're getting a little flaky or they're having a hard time showing up for social situations or a lot of the things that can happen when depression rears its ugly head. Withdrawing. I see the black curtain. Oh. I, I, I see the whole picture. I see what's, what's going on. Mm. Um, some people, when they hear about someone committing suicide, they get very angry. I don't get angry. I, I actually. Don't you feel sorry for that person? I feel a, I feel a deep pain pang of empathy because yeah. I've I've been way down further down that road and closer to that result than I care to talk about a lot because I don't I don't want to relive it, but I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's completely unrelated. It it can be exacerbated by circumstances, but the last really bad bout of depression I had was last spring, and there was nothing going wrong. Mm. It was just chemistry. You know, you can have a loving partner. You can be on vacation at the beach and it's sunny and you can like, you can have all sorts of stuff going great and still uh, feel like you're about to cry. And it's, and so I, I don't want to live like that. I don't want others to live like that, but I, I, in similar to your mission, I want people to understand this is something we need to talk about. This is something people need to ask for help with Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not qualified. I didn't stay at Holiday Inn Express and I'm not a doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But if people don't know where to reach out, then I would love to be the person they call and I'll at least try to help them find someone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think everyone needs that connection. Everyone needs to be seen, valued and heard. And it's really hard to reach out when you're in pain. So it's easiest to reach out to someone who, you know, knows what it's feel, knows what it feels like. Right. Yeah. Uh, I like to distinguish between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is easy. An example would be, Oh, your dog died last week. You know what? My, my dog died two years ago. I know what that feels like. I I feel your pain. Empathy has to be manufactured. An example of empathy would be, Oh, your dog died last week. Well, I haven't, I haven't lost my dog. He's still here. But I imagine that's pretty, pretty, pretty tough thing to deal with, you know. And uh, the reason I mention that is because um, you mentioned that with your own personal struggles with depression throughout your since you were fourteen, right? Mm-hmm. You can see the signs in other people. Oh yeah. And I would think that that helps you connect with them because you're authentic and credibility because you've done that. You're not empathizing with them. You're sympathizing. You had the same experience, mm-hmm. and you can connect with them on that, that whole other level. And you can say, "Look, I can give you this serum for your skin and this for your eyelashes or whatever it might be." But let's talk about what's underneath the surface, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk about um, hyper. Um, crit- if you're hypercritical of yourself, mm-hmm. or um, if you're sad about this or that loss or things didn't turn out the way you want, you can connect with those people and relate with them on a much deeper level. Absolutely. And I, and I don't ask them to just sit on a couch and 
Right. Tell me about them, rather. You're not a psychiatrist. <laughs> not a psychologist. I'm yeah. not a psychiatrist. Um, interesting note, my mom was a therapist. Oh. And when she went back to get her master's when I was in high school, and so we would talk a lot about what she was learning. And to me, one of the most fascinating parts about what she learned, and I don't even remember the class and the context per se, but essentially with dealing with your brain and your subconscious, um, it, not just your subconscious, part of it is your subconscious, but your conscious brain activity. So there's four quadrants and, you know, we've got to respect the math. Yeah. Um, thanks for the plug. One, one quarter, everyone sees it's, it's just ubiquitous knowledge. Um, one quarter, let's say we're talking about your brain. Only you see, um, one quarter, only everyone else sees. Mm. and one quarter no one sees. So going with with that particular set of math numbers, the best a person can do who is truly self-aware and self-actualized and all this is 50%, which is essentially why people shock us all the time, why sometimes we shock ourselves. Like, I don't know why I just said that. Yeah. I don't know why I just did that. And um it's important to give people grace because they might not know either. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you have to honor the people who gave you grace and your, your past for the mistakes you made. Right. Thank God for yes. second and third chances yes. and so forth. Right. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned suicide. You don't have to talk about that if you don't want to, but since you brought it up, I'd like to make a point about that. I've struggled with suicidal ideation, ideations in my past, um, <clears throat> off and on, never made a plan, never attempted it. Thank God. And I dealt with that until about my mid-20s. And then one day I had a really, really strong um, epiphany. It occurred to me that suicide wasn't the uh, um, ideal solution to my problems. What I realized was I just didn't want to be in the situation I was in. And it's it's within my potential and my ability to change my situation. And when I realized that, the floodgates opened a whole new world of um, coping mechanisms and self-awareness um, and the ability to move forward without about dragging that, you know, that heavy ball behind me chained to my ankle. And I think it's important for someone out there right now who might be struggling with the thought of suicide. Just ask yourself that simple question. Is suicide going to fix your problems? And if it's not, um, Try to identify what the source of your problem is. For me, it was, I just didn't want to be in the situation I was in. Well, I said, well, I can change my situation. And from that point on, I took suicide off the table. And one of the things that came out of that was I realized, and this is not to make people feel guilty, but it deeply impacted me when I realized what that would do to the people in my life that I cared about. And not from a judgment standpoint, just from a, that that would destroy my mother's life. That would... It d- deeply impact and you know, um, damage other people's lives that are in my life. Mm-hmm. And so those two uh, uh, kind of conclusions I drew really, really changed my life and set me on a trajectory towards success and happiness and self-awareness. Uh, did you want to comment on that or would you rather? Um, I, I have to say I, I would rather comment on uh, similar, the, the view from inside the black curtain. Okay. And and essentially, you know, if you think about if you go to a theater, the giant velvet curtain that's on a stage, mm-hmm. that's that's depression at its worst. It's extremely heavy. Um, all sounds outside of it are dampened. Um, you feel you feel a bit numb. You're always tired because you're carrying this thing around, and no one else can see it. So you just look weak, 
or selfish or oblivious or, you know, a lot of negative things. Um, the curtain doesn't really ever lift, yeah. but, but there are a lot of habits that can gradually make it thinner, lighter, permeate it. And mm-hmm. I now refer to my depression as essentially a screen that I have to keep clean. Mm. And um, primary ways exercise, uh, you know, as a, as a college athlete, I thankfully, part of the reason that my depression, I didn't, it wasn't even diagnosed until my mid 20s because I was playing 20 hours of tennis a week. That's mm. pretty good treatment for depression. Yeah. If nothing else is a distraction, <laughs> you're not thinking about it. But that, you know, the endorphins and the, sure. you know, oh, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But, yeah. but absolutely. Yeah. Um, nutrition's a big one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very vocal. My favorite vices are bourbon, chocolate, and potato chips. <laughs> I'm even happy to line them all up and have them all at once. Yeah. But when I, when I go too far down that rabbit hole, it's, it's evident. And yeah. The world starts looking darker and, you know, I gotta, gotta rein it in. Um, the biggest, uh, way that I've moved the needle on depression in the last really probably six months has has been what what I say to myself. Oh, I love that. What you know? How do you talk to yourself in the mirror? How do you talk to yourself throughout the day? Um, can you can you silence the the critical inner parent? Yeah, you know, or the critical random friend you think is criticizing you on Facebook or whatever, whatever thing mm-hmm. drives you, makes you self-conscious. Um, Give us some specific examples of an inner dialogue you, you, you identified as damaging to yourself and, and your, your, um, your happiness and a change you made in that language. Cause I also believe that words are very powerful, right? Uh, a lot of stuff with weight. Um, my weight. Really? You're so lean. But you still... Well, thank you. And yeah. thanks for the compliment yesterday too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, but it's, but it's something that I have to pay attention to. I, you know, I can't just live on bourbon, chocolate and potato chips right. or, you know, I got a big old muffin top. And... You're obviously doing it in moderation. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Everything in moderation, even moderation. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I, you'll hear it. It's kind of a funny thing if you ever go to a junior tennis tournament and hear top juniors play. You'll hear them scream things at themselves that'll tell you a lot. Oh yeah, uh, like ah, oh, you're so fat, you dumb fat ass, and you know, or I can't believe you did that, or just those yeah. those kinds of things. The the berating, yeah, of oh my god, am I ever going to get this house clean? And you know, I need to be able to cook better. Just those kinds of things that. Um, People's inner critics are usually pretty, pretty mean. Do you think they're worse than what external sources might be? It depends. It depends. Yeah, it can be. Um, it, you know, if, if you're in an abusive situation, <clears throat> excuse me, then then I can't comment on that. Yeah. For me, my inner critic has always been a lot meaner than how I would ever treat anyone. Yeah. And um, anyone, the, then meaner than anyone has ever treated me. Yeah. Dr. Phil talks about the concept of the inner truth. Uh, the outside world could look at someone and they could be beautiful and successful and uh, fit and they look healthy and happy. But that is not necessarily a re- reflection of how they feel inside their inner truth. And you could take that person who so on the outside has everything going for them and they, they could be miserable and deeply mm-hmm. sad. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is um, there are people out there that care. So if anyone listening to this right now is struggling with depression, self-image, self-worth, self-esteem, suicide, whatever it might be, there's people out there like Beth and I that not not only care but have been through it. Mm -hmm. 
And I would su- suggest you reach out to, uh, I don't know the phone number, but the Suicide Prevention Hotline is a great resource. Yeah. Um, if you're a believing person, talk to a pastor, a clergyman, someone like that. Um, but ask, and don't stay isolated. I, I think for, for me, when I was at my darkest moments of depression and struggling with mental illness, if I think there's no coincidence no coincidence that I was also the most isolated from mm-hmm. my friends, my family, social interaction, having a job, uh, that kind of thing. So I think that's, um, I think that's worth pointing out. And for me personally, I'm not judging anyone else. When I quit drinking, uh, almost nine years ago now, I didn't have a problem. You know, occasionally I'd have a few to me or whatever and have a hangover, but I, I didn't, I didn't have a drinking problem. It wasn't interfering with me having a job and living my life and so forth. But one day, uh, something deeply personal happened to me. Um, my best friend drove drunk and killed someone in a car wreck. Uh, yeah, and spent seven years in prison for it. We actually did a podcast episode on that. Oh, on, wow. He, he was brave enough to come on the podcast and talk about it and take accountability for it and give people instructions on how to recover from addiction and things like that. Uh, pay your debt to society, come out, rehabilitate yourself, and build your life back, and he's done that. So I recommend anybody listen to that. Um, it's on our uh that's a episode we did with a guy named Dave Bats, my best friend. Um, but for me, me personally, you mentioned working out. That's huge. I've been a workout guy for going on eight, 19 years. I quit drinking uh, roughly nine years ago. And then obviously uh, words have power. The words that Absolutely. we choose, even if, even basic things. I'll, I'll, I'll hear some, someone say like, well, I had to do this. Well, did you really? You might have felt like you had to. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you usually have a choice. Right. And so when I, I, I catch myself doing this, I'll say something like, well, I had to do that. Did I really? No, I chose to do it. <laughs> People say, I didn't have enough time to get that done. You chose not to make time to do that, right? right. And it might sound like, uh, um, sin, uh, what do they call it, semantics or mm-hmm. word games, but it's not. The words that we deliberately use and choose in our everyday life to describe our reality and talk to ourselves directly impact and create create that reality right absolutely good or bad well and that goes into habits and i'm a i'm a big believer i'm a big fan of atomic habits james clear i don't know if you've ever i don't educate me um so he wrote this book called atomic habits and essentially it it really deals with identity so um if you miss a workout do you tell yourself i'm a guy that can't work out no i just i'll make it up or i'll Right, because yeah. you you have the habit of working out, and so you identify as a guy who regularly works out. Mm. And he he tells a story of a guy who lost a hundred pounds by going to the gym five minutes a day. Really, and the way and and literally what this guy did was he had to or he chose to there you go <laughs> um, make it make it part of his identity that I'm a guy that goes to the gym four or five days a week. So four or five days a week he'd walk in. He'd do some stretching, he'd do a couple exercises, and he'd make himself leave after five minutes. Huh. And eventually, it became a habit. Yeah. And he, you know, when you're 100 pounds overweight, you don't need to go work out two hours. You're going to injure yourself. <laughs> yeah. You actually need to start pretty small. And he he goes into lots of different levels of habits, um, things like habit stacking. So let's say you want to start reading 10 minutes a day, we'll stack it with, you know, put your book next to your coffee mug. Yeah. You have coffee every morning. Well, just read for 10 minutes when you have your coffee. You're, you know, you, you're already going to have your coffee every morning. You just add this other thing until it becomes a habit, until yeah. it becomes part of your identity. And then you're like, yeah, I, I read every day. Maybe not as much as I want, but at least a little. 
And so the habits part really plays into also how you speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, are you in the habit of berating yourself? Are you in the habit of, you know, giving your, essentially giving yourself a high five? That's another book I love is Mel Robbins, The High Five Habit. I love her. I haven't heard that book, but I'm sure it's good. It's it's amazing. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's probably, like I said, the biggest thing that's moved the needle is finding that that inner voice to um, pat myself on the back and, yeah. and cheer myself forward. And I, I'm very fortunate. I do have people around me that do that. Um, not everyone does, and it is helpful. Yeah. But what really pushes me back the most isn't when I get any kind of external criticism or, or lack of encouragement. It's, it's when I stop encouraging myself. And I've learned that that's, that's the most powerful thing. And I think people underestimate how much power they have over their lives, their thoughts, their habits. Yeah. All of that. And small decisions can Mm -hmm. have great impacts in your life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love the gym example you gave because that guy, that guy just, um, took a very small, easy, accessible step. And that in and of itself, when repeated, snowballed, so to speak, into better. Obviously, he was eating better and working out more. But it all started with a very easy, small step anybody can take. Right. He didn't uh, tell himself, I got to go do an hour of cardio every day. It was realistic. For the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah, it was realistic. Uh, I'm I'm sure you're a fan of the law of attraction, the secret. yeah. 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 Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you cannot, you're always right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and with a sports, with a competitive sports background, that's, yeah, that's huge. And, you know, my husband runs ultra marathons. And so there's, there's a lot of mind over matter in our house. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> mind over matter. I think it was, was it Yogi Berra that said it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. Have you heard that? Right. One? <laughs> I have heard that. I have heard that's that. a great one. Um, uh, I also heard a guy on a podcast on, I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast. It was a psychologist. And he said, um, he'll tell his students, he's also a professor, he'll hear, he'll hear a student say all the time, well, you know, cycling, I'm not good at that. He'd say, well, have you practiced? No. Well, if you haven't practiced cycling, how, how can you know you you're not good? good? <laughs> right. And a simple statement like that, well, I'm not, I, he's a great actor. I'm not talented enough to be an actor. How much time have you applied to being an actor? You can't even say so, something simple like I'm not good at it if you haven't even tried it and practiced it, right? Uh, it reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell, the book uh, Outliers. He said the 10,000-hour rule. No one ever got exceptionally good at anything without at least dedicating a minimum of 10,000 hours mm-hmm. uh, to their craft. Are you familiar with that book? Uh, yes, okay. and I actually did a video on... 10,000 hours or or the number 10,000 because, um, I set my Garmin to 10,000 steps every day. Oh, nice. That's significant for you. It, it is. And sometimes I don't know when I hit it because I hit it in the middle of a five mile run. Yeah. And 10,000 steps works out to usually between three and a half, four and a half miles for me. Okay. Um, sometimes I hit it when I'm brushing my teeth at night Yeah. and I'm like, Oh, but and I'm not even taking steps. It's just registering because I'm brushing my teeth or cooking dinner or whatever. But the point is the the cumulative movement is what's key. Yeah. And so in the in the video I did, I talked about um I I'm a decent tennis player. I'm certain I've played ten thousand hours. But the thing to remember is in that first thousand hours, probably a minimum of every five hours I asked my parents if I could quit mm. because it was hard. 
or I didn't like someone in my class and or it was hot or whatever. And actually that's not even true. It was probably in the middle because yeah. as a kid, I just did whatever they signed me up for. But then when I began competing and losing because everyone else started competing before me, yeah. um, yeah, I tried to quit a lot of times. Um, and I'm really, <laughs> really glad I didn't cause it was my career for 17 years. Yeah. Um, and, but I still don't know when I hit that 10,000th hour. Mm-hmm. I just, Kept, you know, it could have been when I was in my thirties. It could have, yeah. it was probably sometime yeah. college and a college because I played a lot. <laughs> it's not a guarantee of excellence, but all the no. people that are excellent, at least dedicated 10,000 hours. That's the yes, idea. Yeah, absolutely. If I dedicated 10,000 hours to dunking a basketball like Michael Jordan, it probably wouldn't go well. Right. But, um, but you're tall enough. <laughs> you'd get there. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think that's an interesting point. I also like to tell people that I think talent is overrated, especially natural talent. We'll be like, oh, that guy's a great singer. She's a great dancer. She must be naturally talented. Sure, there's an element of that. But I tell people when I'm advising and trying to encourage people, talent alone will give you a head start in the race. Mm -hmm. But talent alone will not drag you across the finish line, right? The people, the tortoise and the hare, right? Sure. The people that will commit to a process and daily uh, work, and, and practice, uh, those are the people that will finish the, uh, the, across the, the finish line faster, uh, you know, before everyone else. Now, obviously, the ideal solution is a ton of natural talent and the work ethic and the sure. hard work, right? That's when you get somebody like a Michael Jordan or right. uh, we watched uh, King Richard the other night, which is excellent. Have you seen it? I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, it's excellent. I, I highly recommend you watch it. I'm a big believer in second chances. What Will Smith did to Chris Rock was outrageous. And, it, and I really lost a lot of respect for Will Smith. I, I loved him for a long time, going back to being a kid, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm-hmm. uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Parents Don't Understand, right. all, all of his wonderful films. Watching King Richard, thankfully, after the fact, gave I, I reminded me of the importance of second chances, grace, compassion. It, it was a phenomenal performance. I highly recommend anybody listen to it. Um, but anyways, the point of that was town alone will not, not drag you across the finish line. You have to work, no. right? No one crosses the, no one accidentally wins the Super Bowl. Dave, Ram, Dave Ramsey <laughs> says that all the time. You know, it was a, a, a result that was in accordance with a plan that was executed over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again, right? So the, the habits, yeah. the definite habits. And I think I, I would go so far as to say there are times that, that talent can actually um, sabotage success. It absolutely can. And that, you know, people are relying on it rather than maximizing the best habits, the best processes, the best mental approach. Mm-hmm. The only thing that talent does, in my opinion, is is it, it raises your potential if you still really, really maximize everything else. Mm-hmm. For example, my husband and I have this conversation. You know, if I suddenly decided I wanted to qualify for the Olympics and the marathon, it's not in the cards. It is not genetically in the cards. And it's not because I'm 49. It never was. I am not built to run an Olympic qualifying time. (laughs) Period. Father time's not kind either. Good thing I was a tennis player. Um, I mean, I've run a couple marathons, but you needed a sundial to time me, not a stopwatch. So it's fine. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, I wanted to kind of wrap things up here. Uh, we're interviewing uh, Beth Amlung with Rodan and Fields. She's an executive consultant with that company. And as you can see, it's not just selling skincare. There's a lot that goes into connecting with her clients, empowering women, helping them build businesses if, if they'd like around that model. Um, can you tell us how we can interact with you? 
Absolutely. Um, you can email me at Beth Amlung, B-E-T-H-A-M-L-U-N-G, uh, at gmail.com, or text me at 502-289-6473. Um, and that is uh, my texting app, so don't worry about the time of day, and I will get back to you. Give them that phone number one more time. 502-289-6473. Perfect. And we will have her contact information also in the show notes. Okay. Um, for those who are watching the podcast on um, Facebook or YouTube, or if they're just listening on one of the seven podcast platforms we're on for audio only. Um, my wife and I started a nonprofit called See Good to Be Good. The original uh, motivation for that was I saw so many people people around me wasting wasting um, opportunities, um, not um, having self reflection and optimizing uh, their potential, and I, I thought it was a shame that so many folks out there. Um, didn't have an example of someone to look up to who's been successful professionally or per- personally, who's been built uh, built a business, had a, a a great family life, a great personal life, has been successful. And I think you're one of those folks. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, so we started See Good to Be Good to be an example to others and um, provide some hope and a, and a model, an example of some, someone being uh, successful. And uh, we're also doing a needs-based scholarship. Uh, we're raising money. Um, uh, 100 pennies out of every dollar donated to see good to be good goes towards a need-based scholarship. Any of the expenses of running the business are paid for out of the out of our pockets, my uh, myself and my wife. So you guys would like to learn more about with that. If you'd like to learn more about see good to be good and how you can help contact us after the show. Uh, I've got three questions. I like to ask all my guests. Okay. Why are you successful? Um, I'm glad you think I'm successful. <laughs> <laughs> to the extent that you are. To the extent that I'm successful. What do you attribute um, that to? I attribute that to enthusiasm. Um, I, I would say I I love people. I love what I do. Um, that would be that would be the biggest thing. What it, uh, What about uh, why are you happy? Uh, because I do it on purpose. <laughs> Okay. Intentionality. <laughs> I am. I am happy on purpose, and it is. A, it is a daily uh, plan and habit, and and something that I do with intention. Dennis Prager says happiness is a serious problem. He wrote a book about it, and he said uh, happy people make the world better. Unhappy people make it worse. You have a moral obligation to think and act happy, even when you're not. Have you heard that? Uh, I have not heard that exactly in those words, but yeah. I. Don't disagree with that. Yeah, happiness is a choice, and you can fake your way into being happy if you just smile more, uh, I, uh, say some, something nice to someone, do something nice for someone. Uh, and also, it starts at home, right? Mm-hmm. Be a little kinder to your family, the people around you all the time. Don't take them for granted. And also, be kinder to yourself, right? Absolutely. Compassion, kindness, all that starts inside, mm-hmm. right? Uh, final question. What obligation do you feel to help others achieve success and happiness? Significant. Um, my, I love leading and, um, the definition of a servant leader is one that creates more leaders. So, um, people can't lead if they aren't ready to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely can't, can't push a rope. I can't push one. a rope. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so any anything that I can contribute to people, whether it's um, through my business or you know when we network, um, I took the Gallup Strength poll and discovered that one of my traits, one of my strengths, is a maximizer, mm. which apparently and and when they explained it, it made sense because I was like, yeah, I do that, and I I like to sit down and hear what people want what they're willing to do to get it um, and sometimes offer an out-of-the-box solution of, well, have you thought of this? Have you tried this? Can I introduce you to this person? Whatever, um, along those lines. So uh, it's one of the things I love about our networking group because when I meet new people, I, I'm always hoping I can connect them with somebody. Yeah, as an artist, so to speak, it's a blank canvas that you can paint and make a beautiful image on, right? Each person you meet, there's, there's so much potential and opportunity there. I like that. Well, and sometimes people don't hear hear themselves as far as what they're asking or 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 a barrier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it strikes me one theme in everything we've talked about today is the word uh, or words, self-reflection. Self mm-hmm. You strike me as a person who's constantly reevaluating yourself. It's um, exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look at the results, though. You're happy. You have a big smile on your face. You got an... I'm, so you have a beautiful family and a nice business and uh, life is good for you. And I just wanted to point that out for people, people struggling right now with depression or happiness or professional success, whatever it might be, look inside, you know, mm-hmm. the person most responsible for most people's outcomes, good or bad is the person in their mirror, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But still and ask for help. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but you look in that mirror quite a bit. I can tell it, figuratively and figuratively. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way to, uh, uh, in things here. Uh, if you would like to be a guest on our show or you would like help creating and or distributing your own podcast content, please contact us for more information. I'd like to take a moment to thank the talented people that work behind the scenes here to make this podcast happen. There's the effervescent producer, David Snyder running audio and video, the intrepid David Snyder casting and scripting the show. And finally the brilliant and gifted David Snyder editing and distributing the show online. And the extremely humble David Snyder to bring I, it all together. I need to add that to my script. <laughs> I thought that'd be a funny way to communicate to people that I'm doing all this by myself. Absolutely. So, and if you were ever like help with any aspect of a podcast that I mentioned there, I can help you. So contact me. Um, thank you to our guest, Beth Amlung with Renan and Fields for being here. Thanks for having me, David. It was a real pleasure. I think this uh, conversation might impact some people's lives and make a difference and uh, might even lead to some some business for you. And uh, thanks for joining us today. We want to thank the listeners and the sponsors for making this podcast successful. And uh, we'll see you real soon on a future episode of the Respect the Math podcast. Thanks. Great. Thanks, David.